Welcome to Coffee Talk, dear listeners. I am Tracy. And I'm Brian. And as always, thank you to everybody who makes time for us in the week. Thank you for making us a part of our, uh, thank you for making us a part of your lives. Yes, thank you very much. We really appreciate you. We always also want to ask that you, for, to further support the show, please rate us and recommend us to a friend or aggressively suggest us to your enemies. Yes. yes. Tell your enemies all about us. Tell your enemies everything about us. So, you know, Brian, most of our listeners are in the United States, which is probably no big surprise, but 2% of Ireland, or 2% of our listeners are in Ireland. That's awesome. That is awesome. We're, we are both have Irish heritage. Yes, it's quite true. Yeah. It's very true. And would you believe, Brian, that in various far-flung countries of the world, such as Turkey, Argentina, Germany, New Zealand, and Ghana, we are we are in there one percent, like we have one percent of listeners from each of those countries. I'm very glad to hear that. Yes. Yeah, so, if you are a person in one of those countries or a country that I did not mention. Thank you for listening to us. You make us semi-world famous, and that's pretty cool. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah. And, of course, Lucy, thank you for TikToking for us. And, you know, she's going to teach me to TikTok, and you're probably going to be in some videos too, Brian. <laughs> so I guess you can see our mugs on TikTok soon with, uh, w- with all the kids, all the cool kids TikTok, right? <laughs> And I also started an Instagram. It's at CCC NOLA podcast. This is where I will post photographs of us. I post some photographs of our dogs. Who knows? Probably post photographs of images relating to the case. I who, who knows? I just know that I only now created an Instagram for us. Awesome. I hope, I hope it will be. Now, Facebook, uh, if you actually want to interact with us, the Facebook group is the best way to do that. You have to ask to join. And if it looks like you're not a robot, I'll let you in. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, all social media links are in the description. And, dun da da dun I have a fun announcement. I am currently looking at various ways to create designs so we have some merch options i we will be opening an online store soon all right yay finally merch options so listen to this space and we we are going to restart our patreon in september on september the 9th we apologize for not being consistent life got in the way but now we've more or less settled into a routine and we can make the time to record more content now. That's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. And Brian, you had a, a, an interesting week. You said you were telling me this story earlier today, and I said you have to talk about this on the podcast. So, Brian, please talk about what you told me earlier. Well, for the last few days, I've been working on a New Orleans-based production. Mm-hmm. A new TV show called Parish, which is not named Parish because it takes place in Orleans Parish. It's named Parish because that's the last name of the family on the show. 
Uh, it stars uh, Gene Carlo Esposito. Who is Breaking Bad fame and Mandalorian fame. Yes. My friend who I was on the phone with earlier today got very excited because she knows Giancarlo Esposito as the mirror from the, the, the Evil Queen's mirror in one, the TV show Once Upon a Time. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, and he was also in the Malcolm X movie. Yeah, he was one of the assassins. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, the, sh the show looks really cool. It's really interesting. They use they use storyboards, um, which is really which is really awesome. You know, I, I love storyboards. I, I got a chance to check out the storyboards for uh, some filming for the first episode yesterday. And there's also uh, yeah, there's stunts on the show. There's real car crashes. That were being uh, created yesterday, and what happens as these car crashes are being staged on one side of uh, LaSalle Street, close to the intersection of Washington Avenue, uh, what I see is this uh, gentleman in a white extended cab truck, okay, a very you know rather large vehicle. At the light at Washington Avenue in LaSalle, and a state trooper pulls up in back of him. The lights on, motions for him to pull over to the side with the siren. So he pulls to the side, the state trooper pulls in back of him. And after the trooper gets out the vehicle, he decides to take off. Oh, wow. And, you know, turn down Washington Avenue. And I'm thinking, with this big contraption of yours, I, I don't think you're going to get away from this state trooper's uh, Chevy Tahoe. Uh, you know, they're they're a little large, but they're extremely fast. And they're also pretty heavy duty for these rough streets of New Orleans. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, next thing you know, the, the imbecile is <laughs> on the street that's closed off while trying to get away from the state trooper. And then two more state troopers converge on the vehicle. That's what these imbecile did not know was that all three of the state troopers that, that were on him like gravy on rice, as we say in New Orleans, were, oh, actually, like wor June bug. <laughs> were actually working the production because they were uh, providing security and closing off streets. Ah. So, you know, that next thing you know, I witnessed them pull the guy from the vehicle and handcuff him and he didn't seem to be all that all that coherent. Turns out what he did was he drove on to another part of the set that was closed off and hit one of the one of the cars on the set. That's so hilarious. Yeah, and uh, had actually ended up being arrested on the opposite side of the street <laughs> from where the stunts were being coordinated. That's so crazy. And there were members of the production crew that thought that the whole thing was part of the show. That is that is so funny to me. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That's a great story. I'm so glad you told it. You can't make this up. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes New Orleans gets... Uh, pretty chaotic and 
it's one of those one of those ironic things that we, you're, you're staging a, a you're staging a chaotic show because there's there's viol there's a violent drug cartel that's involved with this show. Ah, and <laughs> you, you know you have something like that happen. Yes, and Brian, what if I told you though that I saw this? It, it, I think it was a, a tweet. Somebody had posted a screenshot of, and it says that New Orleans is so much better than anywhere else that I don't even care. It sucks. <laughs> and no offense to anybody who lives anywhere else who, where you probably think you might also live in the greatest city in the world. Uh, we, we just love living here. It does suck in many ways, but, you know, sometimes, Brian magic things do happen in this city and we're going to get into one such story tonight oh yeah yeah so in early 2022 a street light in an algiers neighborhood began to flash like a strobe light 24 hours a day not even you know like how on a street light there's a sensor and it senses when the light is supposed to turn on and off this light was not even turning off okay so Residents described it that it was throbbing like a visual migraine, <laughs> which sounds so deeply unpleasant, though. Or, or like a rave? Yeah, I guess like a rave, but not as fun. Because yeah. this is, I mean, you know, the streetlights are that harsh fluorescence sort of look to it. So it's it's not like purple and green flashing lights at a rave and you're on drugs and it looks cool. It's not like that at all. <laughs> but even though it was annoying the neighborhood one family was outright suffering due to the fact that the street light was right in front of their house the main family has a five-year-old and one-year-old triplets so these are four little kids in one house and a mom and a dad you know sleep is precious for everybody but in a house with four children it's a lot harder to come by right yeah yeah so imagine having this light beaming into your house at all hours. Just, just think about how much uh, that would suck, right? Yeah. So the mains had two options. They could invest in a room full of serious custom-made blackout curtains, which cost a lot of money. Or they could call up the Public Works Department to fix the light. <laughs> now, the Public Works website says that there are no fewer than 54,000 streetlights in New Orleans. And the workforce is currently addressing a backlog of approximately 700 streetlight outages across the city. That, that's, no, that's no surprise. It's no surprise. Now, according to the website, repairs typically take two to three weeks. And in some cases, they can take longer. I also feel like when somebody says two weeks, when it comes to repairing anything, it's never two weeks. Ever. <laughs> Ever. That feels like it's a joke, really. Yeah, it feels yeah. like uh, Scotty from Star Trek uh, prepared the estimates, and but uh, wasn't there to do the work. That's that's a very good way of putting it. Uh. It's, it's too too bad we don't have uh, Scotty in charge of this because. You know, all the, all, of course, all the repairs would take half the time he, he'd estimate. 
Jones, you know. That's true. Well, it's not just him. It would also be his crack engineering crew. Don't forget them. Yeah, of course. Now, uh, Maine said, the Maine, the Maine family said that when they called public, public works, they were told that there were no contractors able to come out and fix it. And get this, Brian. The person she, the person they spoke with on the phone, suggested that they get a gun and shoot the streetlight out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that well, that is hilarious. Uh, that, that's too noisy. Uh, like a high-powered slingshot would be a, a much better idea, much more covert, much more quiet than that. Oh, and if anybody is listening to this, and if you ever need to do such a thing. And if you do indeed use some sort of projectile or whatnot, um, make sure that you wear eye protection just in case. Yes, that's true. And I, you never know if you, if you, the projectile could ricochet and end up in, you know, you, you'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> or I'm also thinking that if the glass flies far enough, that could be trouble for your face. Yeah, that's right, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And you might even scratch your cornea, and that really sucks. And I know because I've been there. Yep. Yes. So, reluctant to shoot out the lights, they took to a neighborhood Facebook page, and they made a post describing the problem, and they asked for help. About two months after this, a person who lived in the same neighborhood, his name is Tom Roche, he experienced inspiration. He's a video editor who moved to New Orleans from Atlanta in 2011 to help create Harry Shearer's Hurricane Katrina documentary, The Big Uneasy. The strobing light brought to mind Alfred Hitchcock, who specialized in making terror from the mundane. So he did the same thing with the streetlight. <laughs> he blended this uh, disorienting camera angles and the song Strobe Light by the B-52s. <laughs> so the video made a spasmatic glow of the street lamp makes it seem sinister and the video climaxes with a montage of Hollywood actors shrieking in terror <laughs> yeah it, it, it's a cool video it's a cool video I'll, I'll, I'll link it in the description when he posted the masterpiece to the same Facebook page that the main family posted uh, on the evening of July 30th it became a neighborhood sensation, and the YouTube video has gained a small following. So, later that same night, a neighbor named Patricia Sperrier happened to be returning home about 10.30 p.m. when she stumbled upon two renegade electricians extinguishing the light. She said they seemed semi-legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> Their truck had a yellow hazard flasher and a logo on the door, but she couldn't make out what it said. Now, before we continue with the story, we're going to stop here and take a break to hear from our sponsor. So, Patricia was wondering, uh, Patricia saw one of the dudes standing in the bed of a truck and he was reverse fishing by reaching up into the sky with a long pole. She was wondering if the guys were going to make this worse, and she was hoping that they wouldn't electrocute themselves. Sperrier said she personally didn't even try to contact anyone to fix the light. She says, in New Orleans, please, they don't worry about the big stuff, much less the little stuff. 
<laughs> Patricia's got it going on. <laughs> she knows. Tim, Ro- I'm sorry, Tom Roche clicked the photo from his balcony of the duo as they worked. He said that he could hear cheering from the main family's house. No one knows exactly how the mystery men doused the light, but they did it. And they did it without shooting it. <laughs> so now there's no street light, but the main family now has peace from a problem that the city did not fix. The rogue electricians are heroes, and the neighborhood left a gift of cash, money, and beer. <laughs> That's a cool story, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It sure is cool. It's, it's, that sound, it, it, it's like those electricians were, you know, a band performing at a, at a local, uh, you know, a, a neighborhood bar. You know, you know, singing, sing, performing for beer and, and a little bit of cash. <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, that's probably what Deacon Claiborne's early days were like. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it shouldn't surprise you, Brian, that the mayor's office did not respond for comments on the story. Well, of course not. Of course uh, not. Why should the mayor's office respond to anything that is embarrassing? I know. But whoever those rogue electricians are, I mean, I fully support them. I think I think they did a good deed. Yes, that they certainly did. A random act of kindness. Yes, it was a random act of kindness. And this is also why I feel like neighborhood Facebook pages can be important and probably more important than Nextdoor. Nextdoor is too full of whiny people. From I speak from personal experience on this. Yes, unfortunately, sometimes uh, social media pages that are set up to inform people about what's going on uh, in the neighborhood or some particular type of situation turn into uh, a, a complaint department where you know no one's going to really uh, hear or care about your complaint. There's no neighborhood manager, Karen. yes fix it yourself Karen (laughs) what this this, this reminds me of was this time was a few years ago is the you know the city is notorious for potholes in the street and taking forever to fix them you don't say well they eventually (laughs) do get fixed of course it depends on what part of the city is potholes will be fixed faster of course uh, up to in the uptown area where they pay higher taxes yes willingly that's right uh, as well as you know taxes for additional uh, security patrols which are uh, additional paid details for New Orleans Police Department and parts of uptown even have uh, private security patrolling as well so in this case, what this happened was there was this large pothole that was in this neighborhood for quite some time. And one of the houses on the street decided to, when they had actually recorded how much time the pothole was there, when it, the pothole reached one year, they, you know, those people had already reported multiple times. So they put a table and chairs around the pothole. Oh, yeah. And put a birthday cake on the table <laughs> uh, to celebrate the potholes. Uh, one year birthday. One, yeah, one year birthday, yes, yes. Happy and, birthday, potholes. And they put it on the City of New Orleans Facebook page. <laughs> they posted it there. 
and the pothole was was fixed <laughs> within days of this posting. So, you know, sometimes when the city is embarrassed on its own Facebook page, something's actually done. Yes, sometimes things are actually done. Maybe somebody should post this episode to the city Facebook page. Maybe it'll, maybe they'll fix that darn street light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might work. So next week, Brian, in celebration of back to school, we're going to be coming at our listeners with a history lesson. History lessons. I love giving history lessons. Yes, you do. And this lesson involves the integration of New Orleans public schools. Because, you know, not only are we a podcast about crime in New Orleans, we're also a podcast about changing laws and why laws are... Or, or why we have the things we have today. Who gave them to everybody? Who gave them to people? You know, because these fights that we fight today are very old. Yeah. But it's also about how government actually affords, or eventually affords, or can afford, basic human rights that pre-existed but weren't exactly recognized by government. That is also true. Yeah, whereas I'm of the mindset that the government does not necessarily grant rights. They recognize them sometimes. Right. And I guess just as a closing, um, I was watching a video. So everybody who listens to this, in case you did not know, I'm a really big, I really love uh, Leonard Cohen's music. And I was watching an interview that he had given longer where he said that a relationship between a person and their government is a very deeply personal thing. And I think that sometimes in our modern society, we forget that. We forget that it, how it makes us feel on a personal level should only affect us. We should not be getting our opinions from others on things. Or we should not have others tell us how to feel about things. That's exactly right. Yes. Yes. So everybody remember that. Remember that your relationship with politics is still personal. It's deeply personal how you feel about things. And I encourage everybody to form their own opinions on things. You can discuss opinions, but, you know, and you can, you know, um, allow other opinions to help influence your your opinion but it shouldn't you should form your own opinions don't just parrot what somebody else is saying your opinion is valid no matter what any of the talking heads in the media or television uh, want to say right based upon any particular agenda that they have and even some of those some of those talking heads may not even necessarily believe what they're spouting out on media. It's based upon what will sell their show. It's it's like Alex Jones, right? I don't even I mean, you can debate if he actually believes his own crap, but at the end of the day he is selling products and he made a lot of money selling those products, an obscene amount of money. Yes, and so someone like Alex Jones they make their money off of selling <coughs> paranoia. Yes, we try not to sell, well, we, we will never sell paranoia. Let's just put that out there. This is not something we, we ever intend to do with this podcast. We 
really want to just, I, I think my, my thought on this, when I started doing this was like, I want to take this seriously. You know, I want to be factual and I want to be real about it. But Tracy, no one's buying uh, our survival rations. Uh, Wait. Don't you think we should promote our survival rations on this show? No, I, we don't have any more because I ate all the cheese out of survival rations. Sorry. Oh, God darn it. Well, you ate all the cookies. Cookies? There were cookies? Yes, there were. No, I think you ate all the cookies. I didn't see any cookies. You, no, it was all you. You ate all the cookies. <laughs> All right, well, we're going we're gonna to go now. So, everybody, we will talk to you next week. Please be safe, be kind. Remember that we're all human beings and don't park next to vans. And if it's dark, it's dangerous, and it feels unsafe, don't be there in the first place. And if you are being interviewed by law enforcement, and you are not the witness or the victim to a crime, Lawyer up. <laughs>